Good morning. Good morning. It's so good to see you guys this morning. My name is Pastor Matt. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Desert Springs, and I am so excited to continue this Rhythms of Grace series that is also known as uh, Focus on Spiritual Disciplines, which is another way of saying what all Jesus followers should be doing and desire, uh, what all Jesus followers actually desire and want to do um, as they grow in their relationship with God. Um, similar to someone who has a personal trainer and they are working out to reach a goal, um, it is the believer's privilege to be um, a subscriber or a believer in these spiritual disciplines um, as we are constantly sanctified or set apart um, unto God. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11, you're going to find um, a passage of scripture that we're going to um, focus on um, in a very topical way. Um, today, and I encourage you to turn there. If you have your paper Bibles or your digital Bibles, you can open up the app or you can join us here on the screens. Is that good? Okay, good. I was making sure you guys are still alive. Um, I believe that we have a really good focus today. I believe we have a really good focus you're going to see here very soon. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He, watch this, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That was a nasty way to die, like a terrible way to die back then. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That's how the preachers used to say it back in the day. The name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 2. 
1 through 11 is coming out of a context where Paul, the apostle Paul, the disciple, the follower of Jesus who actually saw Jesus, who had an encounter with Jesus in in a miraculous way, he is now converted, he's changed, he's no longer killing Christians and persecuting Christians. Now he is a follower of Jesus and he is on a mission to win people to Christ. So much so that people hate Paul. They don't like what he does. Paul ruins people's economies. He, he, changes, he changes people by introducing them to Jesus, and Jesus is the one that does the change, so much so that they, they beat him up. They kick him out of cities, and they arrest him. They put him in prison, and in this context, he's writing a letter from prison to the church at Philippi, a church that he started, that modern day we call planted. He planted this church. He started this church. Um, and he's writing to them from jail saying, I'm doing good. I'm in jail. I'm locked up. I can't get out, but life is good because to live is Christ and to die is gain. I am so good here in prison that the guards, the imperial guards here have to hear the gospel. Like I'm just not locked up down and out. Like I'm actually communicating the good news of Jesus Christ here as I'm locked up. That's chapter one, 12 through 20 something. And then comes chapter two where we are. And he says, I'm good. Life is great. Even though I'm suffering, Life is good, not that it feels good, but it's all good because God who's in me is good and and the gospel is good. So life is good, that's great. But chapter two, I heard that there's some drama going on in the church. The church that I planted, I heard that there is some division, there is some divisiveness, there's issue. And he says to them, humble yourself. Don't just think about yourself and your own selfish ambition, but get your mind right. Humble yourself because if Jesus had to humble himself, you have to humble yourself. And guess what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about problems with our church And we're going to talk about how the solution is for us to humble ourselves. Now, when I say our church, I'm actually describing the American church, the church here in the States, because we see many issues with the with the modern day church as we know it here in America. And one of the biggest issues is the church is dying. Yep. See, dead. You see that? Church is dying. I mean, the American church as we know it is dying. And the number one reason why the church is dying because more and more we are focused on what's in it for us, our own selfish interest, and we're not focused on the Christ of the church. We're more focused on the lights and the building and the pews. And I don't like how they looked at me and my kid in children's ministry. And I don't like that youth pastor. And I don't like, I don't like the water that they had. They should have had lemon instead of cucumbers. I didn't like that they didn't have pregnant parking. I didn't like this. I didn't like that. And the international church is laughing at us. 
They are laughing at us. They say, that's what struggle looks like? Cucumber water and children's ministry? Struggle for us is dirt floors. Struggle for us is hiding Bibles. Struggle for us is being martyred for the faith. And our joy isn't in the children's ministry or in how cool the parking is. Our joy is in what Christ has already done on the cross. That was enough. Everything else is just our outward expression of what he's already done. Because he's our righteousness, because he's our hope, because he is our joy, because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. So it has nothing to do with our budget or our pews or the color of the windows or, or, or if somebody likes us or not. It has nothing to do with that because Christ died for so much more. He died for so much more. My wife and I, we celebrated 10 years of marriage. I got my arms out because I expected an applause. You know and I know that that's worth an applause because you are either married <laughs> or you know how hard marriage is from the outside looking in, and you know a decade of marriage ain't no short time. Hallelujah. Woo! Woo! Not short time. And we were celebrating our marriage. It was awesome. It was beautiful. Um, we argued a little bit like all of us do on vacation, you know, but, you know, it's just a, to be expected. And so other than that, it was great. It was beautiful. It was awesome. You guys should have laughed at that, but you didn't. Um, and then my wife comes up with this great idea. I believe it came from God, and I was on board with it. She says that, man, we are celebrating 10 years of marriage. June 25th, 2007 was when we got started, and now it's June 25th, you know, around June 25th, 2017, and we should celebrate our marriage over the next year in, like, increments of or in, in 10 different occasions, if you will. Like this is, this is one part of the celebration, but we should have nine other parts of the celebration throughout the year. And I said, oh man, that sounds great. And, and so she had the idea and I felt like it was Jesus. and It was awesome. It was great. It was wonderful. It's beautiful. And I'm looking forward to it. I actually am. It was great. Now take this. Take this little analogy I'm going to give you. If I had two options as a husband, Option number one, to only see my wife over the next year during those 10 moments. Let's just say each celebration is a day. Option number one is to only see my wife for 10 days over the next 365 days. Only see her 10 days. Or I have the choice. Everybody say choice. Or I have the choice to not only celebrate with her for 10 days, but I also have the choice to celebrate with her for the other, you do the math, 300 some odd days. <laughs> Option number one, only see her on those occasions or those celebratory moments. Option number two, see her on the celebration. Mm, mm, woo, wonderful. And all the other mundane, traditional, routine days. If I had the choice, 
and I truly loved my wife, which one would I choose? Option number B, right? Or option letter B. Or number two. You do the math and the alphabet. <laughs> you would choose B. Now, if I said, I'm looking at number one. It looks great. I need some me time. Ten years of marriage has exhausted me. Now it's time for me to start thinking about myself. What would you call me? Did you guys hear what she said? <laughs> Sermon's over. That was beautiful. That was great. She said, I would look like an American. <laughs> I would look selfish. I would be a terrible husband. That's pretty clear when we're talking about marriage. But when we talk about the community of Jesus, when we talk about God's church, not God's building, but God's church, Church is not a building, church is people. When we talk about God's church, God's bride, God's body, like the body of Christ, when we talk about us, the person next to you, that's the church. We're all the church, the people. We are fine with just only showing up 10 to 20 days out of the year. And we have the choice to show up all the other days. We're like, eh, anybody got time for that? 10 days, 20 days, mm, yes, let's do that. I don't have time to be talking to people about Jesus at PV High School. It's about me. This is about my football career. This is about my education. This is about my future. I don't have time to be focused on Jesus and being on mission and meeting with my other Jesus follower friends while I'm at school. Anybody got time for that? I would rather just show up for 10 to 20 days at youth group and say, hallelujah. I'm busy. I'm a CEO. I'm important. I'm a CFO. Lots of finances. Lots of numbers. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And we say, as Jesus followers, that the Holy Spirit, that God himself lives inside of us. I don't know what's in your Bible, but we believe as Jesus followers that God lives in us, that the love of Jesus is in us, that the power of God is in us, that the ability of God is in us, that he lives in us. And we say, ain't nobody got time for that. Somebody's lying. There's contradictory there. Because in this, in this verse, in this chapter, in this text, it says Jesus chose to humble himself. He chose to look outside of himself. He had the ability to be God, to strike anybody down, but he chose to humble himself, not only wash feet, not only run when they were trying to kill him, not only keep his mouth closed and never say a mumbling word like grandma said when he was being persecuted. He humbled himself, but Pushing a little further, he died. Jesus allowed nasty, trifling humans to put nails in his hands and to pierce his side, to spit on him, to lie on him, to mock him, to disrespect him, not so he can be only glorified in that moment, but also he wanted you to have an opportunity to get from death to life. His, in his glory, like 
fit within his glory. This is some theology for you. Fit within his glory was your good. Oh God, y'all should have shouted right there. Like, how many leaders, how many, how many world changers do you know that, that within their glory comes people's good? Like, people actually get saved. Like, people actually get changed. Like, people forever, for eternity, because of this person's glory, everybody gets help. Like, I'm not making no money off LeBron James. I love him. I talk about him all the time. But I'm not getting paid. I don't get the Nike deal. I don't have, I don't have, you know, I don't have the benefits of his community. Jesus says, not only am I going to humble myself for you, for you nasty person, but also within my glory is your good. And as a community of faith, we're called to look like him. But every time we're called to show up and actually play the game, we're like, uh-uh, practice, Jesus, practice. We're like forever weightlifters, treadmill, elliptical machine. We just work out and look like football players. We never play a game though. We just go to the gym a lot and talk about Bible verses and talk about the Greek and the Hebrew and talk theology and come in here and look at each other and high five and shake hands and kiss babies and say, it's so good to see you, Sharon. Even though your life is terrible and even though you're struggling, it's good to see you. And then after we leave here, I'm not gonna call you. I'm not gonna meet with you. I'm not gonna get my family to come meet with your family and suffer with you. I'm just gonna high five you. I'm gonna shake hands. I'm gonna compliment your baby. And then I'll see you next week or one of the next 10 occasions. It's a comfortable Christianity, which is not Christianity at all. We want comfortable Christianity. We want, we want comfort as we follow Jesus. But the Bible says that we should take up our cross and follow him. And a cross is heavy. A cross hurts. It's hard to carry a cross. But the good thing is, Jesus says, this is a privilege. And for true Jesus followers, you know a true Jesus follower because it's the desire of their heart. Ultimately, it's, it's a privilege. It's, it's, a, it's a privilege. I, I, I love 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you have your, your Bible or or if you have your, your iPad or something, you can turn there with me. I'm, I'm going to read this, and then we're going we're gonna to push. We're going to push really, really fast. I, I promise we're going to push. It says, if I can get there. Okay, here we go. If I speak... In the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Here's a translation. If I show up to church 40 to 50 times a year, if I sing on the worship team, if I high-five everybody that I see and I smile at them, if I pray for people from a distance, 
even if I actually go give people food that are hungry, if I'm nice to my coworkers and I'm nice to my kids and, 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 and I hug my kids a lot and I go to mops or I go to the Bible study for men or I volunteer at Red Cross or I take in puppies and cats, but have not love, I am nothing. I'm a noisemaker. I'm a noisemaker. And here's the crazy thing, if I can push it a little further, our church today, the church, the American church, we're not even good noisemakers. People don't even know us. Our neighbors don't even know us. I was talking to, to one of my sisters from, from the first service, and she said, thank you so much for, for, for talking about your marriage because, because my marriage is struggling, and sometimes in my marriage, as it's struggling, I think that I don't have time to give because I'm struggling. But she said, thank you for saying, she said, thank you for saying that when we struggle, that's, that's even more of a time for us to give of ourselves because the energy doesn't come from our ability. The energy comes from Christ and Christ alone. And if I can just push that for a second, that's the time that you should be around community. I'm not knocking, high-fiving, shaking hands, and kissing babies. There's nothing wrong with that. How you doing, Brother John? It's good to see you, Pastor Matt. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But, Sister Sharon, if it's not really good, stop lying. Say, Sister Tomato, it's not good. I'm struggling. I'm still willing to help and serve and help and serve, not just here, but within my neighborhood, within my kids' school, with the people that I see at the grocery store. I'm still on mission. I'm still ready to go for it. But I need you to show up with me. We need to do some grocery shopping this week. We need to go. We need, we need to go to the park together this week. And both of our kids, all of our kids play together. I need to be with you. I'm good because of him, but I'm struggling because of me, because of my marriage, and I need you to show up with me as my sister at the park, at the mall. We're going out to eat. You should come. I know Tom don't like Jerry, but I don't care about that. It's about the cross. Y'all got quiet right there. <laughs> it's uncomfortable when Tom don't like Jerry, but who cares? It's not about Tom and Jerry. It's not about if you guys like each other. <laughs> I'm so glad that, 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 that true love is still a reality. I'm so glad that people still say, people still say that option B is, is better than option A. I'm so glad that at least we're saying that. But here's the struggle. Our lives aren't reflecting it. Our lives are full of me-isms. And that's what, the, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this text. He's saying that you guys are more focused on yourselves. He says, he says here, do nothing, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also on the interest of others. There's no way that I can know your interest 
if I don't even talk to you? I'm never going to know what you need as my brother if every time we're around each other, I'm faking and you fake it. Lying about your business, lying about your marriage, lying about your kids. Knowing the business is falling apart, knowing the marriage is falling apart, and you're knowing the kids are falling apart, and you know that the design that God has created, the, the, the beautiful picture of the kingdom of God is not only are we called in Matthew chapter 22 to love him, but the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor. There's nothing more greater than that. And I can't love you and you can't love me if we're always lying to each other. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 gives us two beautiful words, repent and believe. Jesus said, repent and believe in the gospel. What's our response? We need to repent and believe in the gospel. How do we do community? We need to repent and believe together. We need to repent and believe together. Ain't y'all, y'all, y'all ain't that perfect. Like everything just can't always. I mean, everything just always ain't good. Like, I mean, I know that wasn't good grammar, but everything just, I mean, oh, like it just can't be good all the time. And I'm not saying that every time you show up, you should be like, oh, woe is me. I'm saying that we are being made perfect in Christ. Just like Paul wrote, he's saying, I'm locked up, but people around me are getting saved. I'm struggling, but the struggle is not in me, it's around me. I am made perfect in him, and, and within the struggle, just the gospel's being just, just being pushed. It's, 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 just being, it's just being proclaimed. People can't help but get changed around me. Even in the midst of my suffering, even in the midst of my pain, I am praying for an American church, a church here in Paradise Valley, a church here in Scottsdale, a church here in North Phoenix that actually suffers well in him. I'm praying for a, a people who suffers well. You know, in high school, I know, I know you guys probably thought in high school that I was super popular. I know. I know. You thought I was like the best kid on the team. I know you did. Best, best, best dressed, you know, most likely to succeed. I was the best looking guy, you know. I'm sure you guys can tell. I was a big deal in high school. I mean, look at me, I was a big deal. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, I was a weirdo in high school. So I, I have a, a really good understanding of what weirdos are and what they do. Weirdos go to the lunch table and they hang out with other weirdos. And they talk about all the weird things that they did around normal people. <laughs> Half of y'all that's laughing right now, you're laughing because you're a weirdo. <laughs> and you did that in high school. <laughs> Probably doing it right now. You know the problem with our church today, the American church? We refuse to think that we're weirdos because we want to look like everybody else. 
We were, we we're doing our best to blend in. We say for God we live and for God we die, but we're doing our best to blend in and look like the world. The other challenge is when we get around other weirdos, all of y'all here right now, we talk about how weird they are as opposed to celebrating how grateful we are that we've been called out, that we've been set apart. Not so we can stay away and judge, but we've been called out so we can go back in and be a change. The other problem is we, we're in denial about us being weirdos. So she thinks she's cooler than her and he thinks he's cooler than him. And so that causes division. It causes dissension, causes strife, breeds arrogance and boastfulness. And then so Sister Tomato is talking about Sister Macaroni and, and Brother John is talking about. And here's the biggest problem in American church. All this is going on during practice. We're not even in the game. We're not even actually in harm's way. We're just in the safety of these walls, bickering and fighting amongst each other. Do you know what the Bible says about how the world will be compelled to Christ? The Bible says that they will know him, that they will know her, they will know us by our love for one another, for the brethren, for those who are sitting next to us who proclaim that they live and they serve Jesus. That's how the world will recognize who we are by our love for one another. But the world won't be able to see Jesus if we're always fighting one another. And then every time we get to our neighborhood, we just press that garage door button and hurry into our garage because it's too hot outside and ain't nobody got time for the community. Oh, but thanks be to God that we showed up to church today. And by church, I don't mean the building. Thanks be to God that we showed up to hang out with our brothers and sisters today. Because in Christ, Ephesians chapter 2, in Christ, we are his workmanship. We are created, formed, and fashioned. We are made to look like him. <laughs> We are his workmanship created. We are his masterpiece created. Not to sit around and talk about people. We're created to do something, to do good works. Not so we can earn our salvation, but because he's already done it on the cross, it's an outward expression of an inward change. He's already changed me. So in, in, in response to what he's done inside of me, I can't help but share it. I can't help but tell it. And as I share it and as I tell it, I get tired. And so I realize that I need help. And the help that I need is brothers and sisters. I don't need a self-help book. I need my brother and I need my sister. So when I am weak, not only do I have somebody who's strong, but I have a system that that he's created, that I can support my brother and he can support me. And we can go and win this game together. Newsflash, the game is already won. <laughs> game, game is, we already won. The enemy has been defeated. Death could not hold us. I mean, it, it, it can't hold us. Like, like, like we, we, we were brought into his glory. We were brought into him. So he, it, when he conquered sin and death, we can, that's us. Yeah. 
We won. Woo. So I understand why you guys are so quiet, man. My encouragement to you, you and you, and to me, is that we will take these blinders off. See the people in this room that are broken and hurting, the person in your seat right now. See the person in this room, the people in this room that are in desperate need of Jesus and a sister and a brother to spend time with them outside of the 10 times over the next 365 days. But they need somebody to spend time with them over the next 365 days. The other 10,000 minutes. We do 70 minutes here. We, we need the other 10,000 minutes throughout the week with one another and in our community. We need less list checkers and more people that are willing to be on mission with God together. And if you're too busy to be with your brother and your sister, then you're too busy to respond to the gospel, which means you don't believe it. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you so much for this opportunity to be your hands and your feet. Thank you, God, for the opportunity. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to be a light in a dark place. You didn't call us to be subtle. You didn't call us to be, to, to be accepted. You didn't, you didn't call us to be comfortable. You called us to be a light in a dark place. And not so people can see us and pat us on the back and say, oh, you're so giving and you adopt all the kids and, and you just give all your money. You're just so great. But you said that we should let our light shine so the world can see our, that means we're doing it in the community, that, that the world will see our good works and glorify you. We thank you for the privilege to shine. We ask you to make us so uncomfortable until we actually respond to the gospel in the way you meant us to respond. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.